Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, Lord God, thank you that we can come into your house to be with your people and give praise to you, to enjoy this sweet communion, this fellowship in the Spirit, Lord, with one another. Oh, thank you, Lord God. In Jesus' name. I love what uh, Paul wrote in Romans 5, that being justified by faith, you have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's so profound. It's something that we can reel off, but it's, prof- it's profound. It's, com- it's completely profound. The fact that we can have this communion, this time in God's presence to know a loving God, to know the God of Israel simply by believing upon his son. We can have peace with God. I just I wonder sometimes whether, you know, some of the letters that Paul uh, wrote to some of these churches, how they were received. Because it's something that, it, it, it must have jarred completely with their understanding um, in so many different areas of their lives, especially for those who had a, a very typically um, Jewish way of living, um, especially when you look at the, the, the letter of the epistle of Hebrews, um, he was, it was like a challenge. It must have just rocked their little world. And, and sometimes, even as Christians in the West, to know that we can simply come to God through Christ and have peace of our maker is an, is an incredibly profound truth. I don't understand it. I don't claim to understand it. It's, it's, not that, it's not based upon your understanding that you gain this relationship and this peace with God. It's conditioned upon you believing it to be true. And sometimes, even in the church world, we can try to cross every T and dot all the dots. And it's great to seek out understanding within the verses. And I'm not saying that. It's great to look into the scripture when we look at redemption, we look at the work of the cross and stuff like that. But it's not, it's not based upon you having all the finest details in place that you find peace. You don't have to be completely theologically in line all the time with everything to get peace with God is based upon his son. Do you understand? Now, I'm all for being theologically correct. I'm not saying we don't, but it's based upon his son. It's based upon his son. And I love what Paul said in 2 Corinthians, and we're not going to go there just yet, but I was looking at it the other day with my group, small group we do, um, and it talks about the ministries in 2 Corinthians 5. It talks about the ministry of reconciliation. The ministry of reconciliation. And that's quite one of them Bible words, but it's also used in worldly terms. And it simply is talking about a restored uh, relationship, something that is restored, that was broken, and then it, we come coming back together again. For example, if you were, um, it, you know, if you fell out with a friend or you fell out with someone that you knew, um, there will be an element of unforgiveness or resentment or bitterness with that person, and you would have you would have a broken relationship. You would not be reconciled. You would be separated in one sense. Um, it wouldn't it wouldn't be until forgiveness came and you 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 you, you give up that, that attitude towards them, and you can come back into relationship. You can come back into fellowship with with your friend, and that's similar to how it is with God. In two Corinthians five, it talks about. That, that, it's, that God, through his son, dying on the cross, 
for his son. He's pleading with us. He's reaching out to, to a broken world and this ministry of reconciling. You can be reconciled to God. That's what the cross is saying. You can come back to a loving, loving father. You can be restored because of the cross, because Jesus is reaching out to a broken world that has been separated from God. And it's so easy sometimes to look at the blessings of God and to look at all the good things of God, the healing, all the other things, and they're fantastic. But they come, these things come, because we've been restored back to our Father through the cross. It's not a separate thing. And this is the thing. We're restored and we're whole because we've come back into union with God. It's really important you understand that. It's the reconciliation that we have. We've come back to God. We have peace with God for our Lord Jesus Christ. The peace is not separate. It's we have peace with God for our Lord Jesus Christ. It's, I know it sounds, but it's very simple truth, but it, it keeps you well. It keeps you well. So we have a restored relationship with God through Christ. And it talks about not holding their transgressions to their account, but because the one that had no sin becomes sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Hallelujah. That's 2 Corinthians 5. I can't remember the verses, but it doesn't matter. Um, but it talks about a restored relationship, a restored fellowship. And this is what we have today. This is what we can have right now. And, you know, if you're in relationship with God, that's fantastic. But sometimes we say about relationship, do we understand what it is? It's talk, we're talking about communion. We're talking about being in God's presence. We're talking about knowing him in an intimate way. There's no more hindrances. There's no more things in addition to Christ. And that's an important thing because many times in some circles, you will find that people put Christ plus this, plus this, plus this, plus this. And there will be a long line of things that you have to keep in addition to Christ. And that's not the gospel. That's not the gospel. The most powerful thing you can have in, in your Christian walk is a refinement of simply Jesus. Now, people don't understand this. They think that, that, that it's, the more things you put on top of Christ, the holier and more thou you will be and you will become. But it's not like that. It's the more you strip off of yourself, the more amazing he becomes in your life. It's the total opposite. It's not Christ plus X, Y, Z. It's only Christ. That's where the liberty is. And see, all the rest is bondage. Yes, we need to pray. Yes, we need to fast. Yes, we should do them things. But it all follows him. Do you understand? It follows Christ. It's not in addition to. Because otherwise you become a slave to them things. And Paul's very firm in this. He's very, very strong in this. And he talks about this in different ways. He talks about this in, in Galatians. And I've, I've been just feeding on Galatians because what led me into Galatians was going back to Genesis. Praise the Lord. I've already entered into my message, praise the Lord, anyway. But um, if, you, you know, if you get a chance, if you get a chance, read from the beginning of where Abraham shows up, in particular, I believe he starts, um, oh, I forget now, but he's went the story of Abraham and it runs all the way through into Genesis. But in chapter 16, it talks about Ishmael. And in Genesis 21, it talks about the, the son of promise coming in. It speaks about that before that, but it really focuses on the two, the two different sons. And having read that, it kind of 
it, I kind of went from there to Galatians, because in Galatians it speaks about lots of these things. And there's so much treasure, um, what, I, what I started to find within, within, these, within this story of Genesis um, uh, about Abraham and the sons, and uh, I started to read it uh, uh, in conjunction with, with Galatians when Paul talks about these things. But he talks about them and he shows us about the two covenants and he shows them that they're, they're symbolic of the two, the two sons. And if you've never read the story, we'll just go there just quickly. We'll go back. We'll go to Genesis 21 just very quickly. Let's have a look. Genesis 21. Where are you? Genesis 21.8. Hallelujah. And it says here, So the sun grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the same day that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah saw the son Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she bore to Abraham, scoffing. Therefore she said to Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son. For the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, namely Isaac. And the matter was very displeasing in Abraham's sight because of his son. But God said to Abraham, Do not let this be displeasing in your sight because of the lad or because of the bondwoman. Whatever Sarah said to you, listen to her voice, for in Isaac your seed shall be called. Amen. So here we see is that Isaac, Isaac is the promise, and the promise, we, we know the promise is Christ. But here we have um, a picture here, these two covenants, and Paul opens this up in Galatians. He shows that these two sons are symbolic of the two covenants. It shows the one is of the flesh and one is of the promise. And this is, so, uh, this is vital in understanding these two covenants. And, you know, I often think about these things and I think, well, you know, you, when you start mentioning these things, you think, oh, that's the Jewish, that's the law and stuff like that. But when you really understand about the law and you understand about the way that we have now, it really, it refines you. It refines you and it keeps you right in what you believe. And who it is we believe upon is more importantly. And the freedom that we actually have, because I believe that, the, the, the Galatian epistle should really be titled the epistle of freedom, the epistle of liberty. Because I think it's, a, it's an epistle of liberty and freedom from the law. And this is the danger that the, the, the Jews were in at this particular time. And if you just go into, if we go back into Galatians 4. As you see, we know that... Um, Hagar was, was, was scoffing at Sarah. She, she, um, the bond servant was mocking, was mocking Sarah. Then the promise would come in Isaac. But there was a mockery taking place. There was, uh, uh, she, the, the, when Paul talks in Galatians, the, the, the Galatian church were in danger of putting, of putting the shackles on these group of believers. And Paul sp speaks about the liberty that is in the promise, which is Christ. And um, if we go from Galatians, we look at Galatians 4, verse 22. And let's just read from there, because this, this helps, and this marries up. And Paul puts these two things together and shows us a fuller revelation of what these two things are actually symbolising, and what it actually means, and what it actually means for us as well. Because it's relevant to us and our walk in Christ right now. And it was almost like as I was reading it, my spirit just went, yes, that's it. You know, you have the moments where you feel like you're just leaping within your heart and you think, yes, God has set us free. We're not of the bondservant, but we're of the free, the promise, which is Christ. 
And herein we see that in uh, Galatians chapter 4, verse 21. It says this, Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons. The one was by a bondwoman and the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman has been born according to the flesh. And that was through uh, Abraham trying to make the things of God happen, the promise to happen. And Andrew spoke a little bit about that last week, that he took it into his own hands. And that's the things of the flesh. The things of the flesh are the things of works. It's the things that you try to do, in other words, that you try to keep, in other words, not the things that God has given by his word and his promise. And that's important, that part. It says here that it's according to the flesh, which is the bondwoman, okay? And he of the free woman through the promise, which is Isaac, which, were the, which things were symbolic. For these things are the, so these are the two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai that gives birth to bondage, which is Hagar, for this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to Jerusalem, which is now, and is of bondage with her children. But Jerusalem above is free, which is the mother of us all. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren woman, you who do not bear, break forth and shout, for you who do not labour. For the desolate has many more children than she who has a husband. Now, we brethren, as Isaac was, are children of promise. But as he was born according to the flesh and was persecuted by him who was born according to the spirit, so it is now. Nevertheless, what does the scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son. For the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. Amen. So here you see this, this uh, Paul's just opening this up further from Genesis, relating straight back to this, to the new covenant and the fulfillment of that. Um, and what particularly strikes me is talking about casting out. And, and that's what we just, we just saw, that, that Hagar was cast out into, into the wilderness. And it talks about the, the bondage of the law. It talks about being enslaved by the law and coming under the, the heavy load of the law. It speaks of the flesh. It speaks of, it speaks of, um, it speaks of the weight that is, that is trying to be put on this group of believers. That they had to keep certain conditions alongside this, this promise which is Christ. And I believe they were trying to infiltrate this, this church, and it says in at the beginning of uh, Galatians, it says they were coming in by stealth. They were spying out their freedom. <laughs> they were looking at their freedom, and they were thinking, no, that's not quite right. You're just a bit too free. We need to put some shackles on you here. So you need to keep the circumcision. And this was about the circumcision also, that you need to keep this also. It's not quite right. You're not, you're not quite there. But this is the way of the spirit. So we have to be clear about this. When we're talking about the free, we're talking about the way of the spirit. We're talking about the way of Christ. And it continues um, further down and it says in chapter 5, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made you free. 
And I think that's just a wonderful phrase. Stand fast in the liberty. Stand fast in what Christ has done for you. Stand fast in your freedom. That there's nothing else that you can add to this. There's nothing else that you can do to this. And whatever you continue to put on top of it will just shackle you, enslave you even more. You know, to be free is a wonderful thing. I mean, I love the freedom in these meetings. There's something special in these meetings um, that we can enjoy the freedom of God's presence and we can enjoy this joy with one another. So, as we see that, um, that one, is, one is cast out and that's the Hagar and that's the law and then when we see that, that the son of the promise, that's Isaac and that speaks of Christ because it also says in Galatians, if you are Christ, then you are of Abraham's seed. And your heirs according to the promise. And when we're talking about the heirs, we're talking about heirs of God. We're talking about sons of God. We're talking about sons and sonship. We're talking about, we're talking about the promise of his spirit also that dwells within us. And I just think that's a wonderful, wonderful truth that we come into when Jesus comes in the scene in, in the New Testament. He fulfills all of them things and he gives us this new and living way. And that's mentioned in Hebrews. I love that phrase, a new and living way. The way of the Spirit and the way to be fruitful in God. And this is, the way of, this is a way of fruitfulness. This is a way of life. You know, you can try to keep the, all the things in check in your life but you just need Jesus. You just need Jesus. I'm saying read your Bible. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying you can just do whatever, but I'm saying the way to fruitfulness is by the way of the Spirit. It's in Christ that we are fruitful and that we are productive and that we have this life living through us. Amen. So he's made us free. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And you see these parallels all the way through Galatians. You see the two covenants. You see the word of flesh. You see the law. You see slavery and you see bondage. And then you see the way of the promise. You see the way of the spirit. You see the way of freedom. And you see the way of liberty. That's the fruitful life. Amen. It also says in Galatians chapter 5, 16, it says, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not... Fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So these two are contrary to one another. They're incompatible with one another. If you're walking one way, you're inheriting all the riches of God because of Christ. And that's what it talks about. It's talking about the inheritance, the inheritance for the saints that is in Christ alone. And you cannot inherit that by the way of the flesh. And when it goes on to Galatians, it talks about the flesh and it talks about all the nasty things. And it talks about will not inherit the things of God because the flesh cannot inherit the things of God. It's about inheritance. And it goes directly back to, Galatia, to Genesis. And this is the important part. When you read it in the light of Genesis and you read the whole of Galatians, the whole of Galatians, you get to that part where it talks about flesh, which is like the fear. You know, Christians, and you know, they read it and it's suddenly this fear kind of, oh, if I do that, then I'm not going to inherit. But it's talking about the law. It's talking about the promise of the Spirit. It's talking about these two truths, these two parallels that Paul draws this line about the inheritance. It talks about the bondwoman and it talks about the free. They're not compatible. We cannot inherit the things of God via the flesh. And it talks about the law. Do you understand what I'm saying? They, they cannot because it's of the flesh. Our inheritance is of the Spirit. 
That's what it's talking about. This is why he uses the word inheritance and he doesn't use the word salvation. Because it's about inheritance. If you read it and you go back to Galatians, you'll understand exactly what I'm saying. If you read it as one big, one big picture, so to speak, you get it all in context with Genesis, what I just spoke there, what I spoke about there. You look at it. If you read it, so I challenge you just to read it from Genesis 21, what I just read, and then read the whole of Galatians, and you'll understand exactly what he's talking about. You cannot get it any other way. You cannot get it in any fleshly way. And if you put any type of law upon it, then what you actually are doing, you're putting yourself back into sin. And Paul said that. He said, if I have to keep the laws, then I make myself a transgressor. That's what he said. That's what he said. And you've fallen from grace. If you put law, if you try to dilute the message and put law in it, then you've fallen from grace. So if you look at that and you read that, and I, I, I'd love, to, love you to read that, Genesis 21, read the whole of Galatians, and it, it sets you free. It sets you free. And it's, it's productive spiritually because it bears fruit in your life. This promise, which is Christ, is the promise of God. And it lives within us. Praise the Lord. And he encourages them to walk by the Spirit. Hallelujah. And there's always tendencies, you know, to think that the walk of the Spirit is some high, high or far off thing that, that is hard to attain to. But when you're born again of the promise, you're born of the Spirit. You start to walk in the Spirit. It becomes your new nature. It becomes more instinctive. The way of the flesh is unnatural to me now. When I do certain things, I think, uh, that, wasn't, that wasn't of the Spirit, and I understand that now. Before, I was ignorant to it. But now I'm alive to his way, to his promise. That's the inheritance that we belong to. That's the, thing that, that's the promises of Abraham that I spoke, spoke about earlier, that we'll be a blessing to all the nations. It says that, that kings will come from your seed. That he talks about that your descendants will be innumerable to as number as the stars and the sand. And he talks about you'll be a blessing to all the nations. He speaks about all these promises. And guess what? We're included. Because we're of Isaac. We're of Christ. Not of works, not of your own flesh, not because you've done X, Y, Z, not because you've done this, this, and this this week, and you've been a really good Christian, but because of Christ. We can feel bad as Christians, let's be honest. I haven't read my Bible enough this week. I haven't done this this much this week. I haven't, you're back into bondage again. I read my Bible because I'm on the promise, and because I've been redeemed, and because I've got Christ, I read my Bible. Because I love Jesus. If you've got it the wrong way around, you're a slave again. You're back into bondage. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you have to have it the right way around. If you've got it the wrong way around, then you're always conditioned by the slave woman. Yeah? But you have the promise. You need Christ. That's it. Christ. Only Christ. So many people get this so wrong. So wrong. And they live condemned. They feel bad about their Christian life. They've never understood truly what it means to be of Christ and what it is to be of the promise. It's a liberty and it's a life-giving way that produces a love for God and a love for his word and love for prayer and love to be in his presence and a love to be in communion with God. I love being in communion with God. It's all our desire is just to be in that relationship, that loving relationship, like what we're talking about, his presence. And all them blessings... All that, that, that wonderful truth that we're now sons, 
We're now heirs of God, it talks about. We're his own people, set apart for God. Amen. He is our God. Amen. He, you know, it says that we were once orphans, but now we've been adopted into sonship. This is part of the great promise for his people. It's nothing that you can do to gain this, but it's what Christ has given you by his word, by, by Christ himself. Hallelujah. So we cast out the bondwoman. Hallelujah. And we live an upright, decent life as a result of it. It's never to abuse your liberty. And Paul goes on to talking about that, doesn't he? He says, we don't use this liberty to go on and sin and to do whatever, but it's the contrary. Because of the life of the Spirit, I live an upright, moral life, a decent, good, loving life. It's because of that I live right. It's not the other way around. Live right, live right, and then get it. It's the wrong way. Often, many Christians live by condition. If you do this, brother, then this will happen. But it's rather him, the promise of Jesus. That's where the liberty is, and that's where your life flows, and that's where decent morality follows. Hallelujah. One's the freeway, and one's the way of Hagar, the bondwoman. Amen. The Christian life shouldn't be, uh, you know, there is principles and there is things in the Bible that encourage us and put things in place that help us along this way. But they have a place. It's Christ and then these things follow. And that's the important. It's the order. It's love for God, love for your neighbour. And this is what he goes on to say. He continues to say this. He says, all the law is fulfilled in this, to love your neighbour as yourself. Hallelujah. It's a moral way we live. It's not an immoral way, the way of the Spirit. It's totally moral and in line with God's holiness and righteousness. Completely. It's not compromise one little bit. Like people say, oh, compromising, oh, we can do whatever. No, it's the complete opposite. It's freedom to love him in the Spirit and live upright and love one another as a result of that love. And you see, this is the thing, you know, when things come into my life and I think, you know, that was wrong. You know, it's, it sends me on the right road, and that's the life of the Spirit. He leads me and guides me to what is always true and what is upright in God. You know, he said, the Bible says, Jesus said himself, if you love me, you'll obey me. Obedience follows your love for him. The question is, do you love him? Do you love him? Some people say, you need to obey, you need to obey, like a taskmaster. The question should be, do you love him? Because he loves you. Do you love him? Do you love him? You do what's right when you love him. Do you love him? Then you love your neighbour. It's all part of loving him. And I do what's right. You know, we have a few, you know, I go through things where sometimes I think, mm, you shouldn't have said that, that was a bit bad, you know. That wasn't quite right. I had a bit of a scenario yesterday. But, you know, I thought, yeah, there's a sense of injustice there. That wasn't quite right. You know what? But regardless of that, I want to treat that person right and do what's well, regardless of what they give me back, regardless of how they've been, regardless of injustice, regardless of their wrongdoing. Why? Because I honour him and I love him first. Now, when you love him first, you do what's right because it's a part of loving him. It's not separate from loving him. I do what's right because I love him and I honour him above it all. Therefore, I treat people well. And I do what's right. Amen. It's all part of loving God. And 1 John talks about that. He 
if you love God but you, you despise your brother, then the truth is not in you, the love, is, love of God is not in you, and all that kind of thing. Um, but it's about loving him, honouring him, and therefore we love one another because we love and honour him. Amen. Do you love Jesus? Because if, you love, if your love of Jesus produces an immorality, an immoral life, then it's not true love. But if your love produces a morally decent, upright life in line with who God really is, then it's the true love of God working in your heart. And even if you don't, he will bring you back. There will be an element of correction in the spirit. And that's what it is. It's a correction. It's a gentleness. But it's, a, it's, it's my moral compass is right with the Holy Spirit working in, in my life. I start to see clearly. I start to see things in order. I start to see things where they were vague. They start to be you know, fine-tuned, more crystal, more clearer in the presence of God. How we need the presence of God. I remember as a new Christian, I remember thinking, you know what, everything looks different. Everything. Not just naturally speaking. That looked different as well. You know, natural things, like the trees look different. There was lots of things that just looked different. Even my whole perspective on what I thought was morally right and wrong looked different. I remember I used to just look up to people. They used to do really wrong things, but I would, you know, like, it was like hero worship. Do you know what I mean? Like all that good fella stuff and all that, you know? I used to think that was, you know, that was fantastic and, you know, all this stuff. I used to think everyone looked up to these things that were wrong. But when I got saved, it was like, suddenly I had these, these new glasses on. And I could see with a clearer perspective. And I saw that, no, that's wrong. And I had a passion for what was right in God. And I despised what was actually wrong before God. And that's what happens in your heart when the Holy Ghost starts working in your heart. He gives you new vision and new sight. A new way. A new way of seeing, seeing a clear conscience where it's been polluted by sin. The sin has been removed by the blood of Jesus. And I can see now. Hallelujah. That's, the life, that's what the life-giving way is like. That's an example. That's the life of the Spirit. It produces love, peace, joy. All these things that is decent and good because God lives within you. Oh, he's so good. I tell you what, I couldn't have produced it myself. But Christ living within me. He clears my conscience. It says the sprinkling of the blood cleanses a guilty conscience. He gives me sight so I can see, man. I remember being in a pub just shortly after I was saved. No one told me I couldn't go to pubs. <laughs> all these Christians have put all these conditions on my life, you know. And I know some of them are, are, are helpful to a degree. And they're, you know, they're, uh, they're decent. But they, they were saying, you shouldn't do this and you, you shouldn't do this. And I was thinking, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't... I don't want to do it anyway, stop, you know. But I ended up going to a pub because, you know, no one told me not to. But I remember talking to one of my old friends and um, he, was, he was talking to me. And he said, I don't know what it is, but when I'm around you now, I feel really guilty. And I wasn't telling him, you sinner. I wasn't, it wasn't like that, I, you know. I wasn't, you sinner. You know, some Christians are very kind of, you sinners. You sin we should never be like, you sinners. You know, you know, they're there, aren't they? We all know some. Um, but he said, I feel guilty. But what he was actually describing, he was, he was describing the conviction of God's spirit. I never even knew about the conviction of God's spirit, really. And no, one, no one had broke it to me down in Bible talk. 
But because of his lifestyle and because of my changed life, the, the Holy Spirit was on my life and it was bringing a level of conviction to him. That this is wrong and this was right. That's when you know the way the Holy Spirit's working in your life. He couldn't work it out and I said, I, I, I don't know what that's happening, but I, I just feel like this. It's always the thing where you feel that you have to explain everything as a Christian. Do you ever get it now? We mature in the Lord, so we've got everything in place. Do you know what I'm saying? You know, we've got it all sewn up. And sometimes, sometimes the more you try to sew everything up in yourself, sometimes it, it, the more it doesn't hold the life for some reason. But by the revelation of God, that's what we need. By the things of the Spirit that bring life. It's so like that sometimes. Sometimes we can always put the baggage back onto our lives by trying to get everything so down to a T sometimes. Do you know what I'm saying? But the life of God in me, revealing the truth of the Son of God through his word, brings me into relationship with him. He shines light on this and says, wow, this is who I am now. I'm different and I'm changed. I'm in Christ. I'm out of myself. Praise the Lord for that. That's a relief, isn't it? Have you been freed from you? <laughs> Deliver me, Lord, from me. That's what the Bible tells me. For my, my level of morality, I tell you what, I, I thought I was a morally decent life. You know, I didn't take from my mum, she's sitting there, you know, I'd never, I treat my family reasonably well, you know, I never rob mates' houses, you know, and I thought I was an upright person. <laughs> but when the Holy Ghost comes in, it changes everything. It changes everything. It doesn't just show, it just, it shows you the holiness of God, but it also deals with you and releases you from all the baggage that you had before. All the misconceptions that you had. All the things that you thought were wonderful and says, no, it's this way now. But it's not in a condemning way. It's not in a point the finger at you like that. It's in a way of deliverance. It says, your sins are gone now. They went upon me. Now you can live a free, free, free in me. I love you dearly, and I'll never let you go. Hallelujah. He never holds baggage against us. It's only us that carry the dead weight. Hallelujah. You just need to open our hands and just let it go. You just need Christ. That's all you need is Christ. You don't need X, Y, Z. You don't need this, this, and this to be on top of or in addition to. Let Christ do it. Let Jesus do it in your life. And he will make you morally decent. He will deal with your issues that you can't deal with. Let God do it in your life. And that's what I plead with you today. Let God do it. You've been reconciled through his son. He took your sin. He made you righteous. He's made you clean. Just come before him now and just say, God, thank you. Jesus, I worship you. I love you. I'm sorry for making it about this, this and this. But it's just you. It's you, Jesus. Thank you for dying for me. It's you, Lord. This is the life of the Spirit that Paul's talking about. We thank you, Father, for taking that baggage off of us, off of us that we're of the free. We're of the promise. Heirs to your kingdom, of your way, not of the other way. We thank you, Lord. It's not of the flesh, but it's of your Spirit of your son Jesus oh there's nothing we can add to you Lord you are exactly what we need daily hallelujah 
We give you thanks and praise. Father, I worship you in this place. Let's worship the Lord. Can we just stand and worship the God? Thank you. God is moving in this house. Hallelujah. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. We thank you. All that you are, Lord. We give you thanks, Lord, for the mighty deliverance we've had. We thank you for the deliverance from our own ideas, from our own things.